Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Young Hoseo, that is Korean for G'day, and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, coming out a little bit late, the NRL Power Podcast, just my reaction to everything that went down in round five. Uh, and look, the main thing I'll preface this podcast with is you need to tune in to the preview tomorrow when it comes out tomorrow because I am coming off two perfect weeks, two eight from eights. Two consecutive weeks. I am in very hot form right now. So look, this isn't going to be the podcast where I give out my tips for the upcoming round, but I'm going to take a look at all of the action from across the round. Uh, I did go out on Saturday night and I did go out to watch the UFC at the pub on Sunday. Pardon me, just uh, smashed a big coffee. Sorry, I'll keep the burps to a minimum. That's uh, like a big no-no, isn't it? But whatever. Uh, Anyway, so NRL Power going to jump through the round. Why is it called NRL Power? Well, it used to be called the Power Hour. Uh, Now I'm not going to make it a specific amount of time, but basically I'm just going to power through the action. So two eight from eights, definitely check out the preview when it is released tomorrow, Wednesday, Australian time. And look, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report. Now I'll go through all the games and I'll also at the end give out the three, I guess they're not awards, they're just I don't know, kind of statements. I don't know exactly what I'm calling them yet, but at the end, I will talk about the ladder, have a look at that, wherever I'm standing. I will give out a cause for concern, the club that has really, really kind of, yeah, just a major cause for concern. Now, that has been the Tigers every single week, except for last week. I thought, can't be the Tigers every week. So last weekend, it was the Dragons. Uh, be interesting to see who it is this weekend. I say knowing full well who I'm going to pick. Now, there's also going to be a Rising Star nomination, which is essentially like the Rookie of the Year. Isaac Tago, Taylor May already nominated for the Panthers. Those two probably leading the race at the moment, but I'll be giving out another Rising Star nomination. And I'll also be listing my X-Factor player of the round. The player who just, yeah, it doesn't necessarily every week have to be the best player of the round, just more so like an X-Factor performance. And there's a lot in my mind that goes into X-Factor more than just being the best player of the round. It's just like when your team needs a win or when the game is on the line and things like that, who steps up, who gets it done and gets their side across the line. Also kind of combined with being the best player of the round. So I had considered Sean Johnson for his field goal because that was the X factor. The game was on the line. He got a very important two competition points and helped the Warriors extend their streak to three straight wins. But ultimately, because he didn't have the complete game, I've decided to go with someone else, but basically that's the X-Factor player of the round. I can already tell in future there will be some uproar because it's not always going to be the best player of the round. It's more just an X-Factor performance. Kicking a winning field goal definitely comes into play. Uh, There were a number of candidates this week, but I'll jump into that at the end of the episode. First up, I am going to jump into our Thursday night fixture, which was the Newcastle Knights hosting the Manly Seagulls. Now, in the end, the Sea Eagles managed to continue their role. They're looking, look, they look the best they've looked this season in that game. That was without Tom Trebojevic. We saw Tolotau Kola named at fullback, but they went for the late change. Brad Parker coming into the centers, which he'd been dropped, which I found interesting, but that's it's good to have that kind of competition for spots at the club. We saw Christian Tui Pelotu named at the center, or in the centers, my apologies. He shifted out to the wing, Parker into the centres, and Ruben Garrick moved to fullback, but they were head and shoulders above the Knights, getting the win 30 points to 6. That was my first correct prediction. The first couple of games of the round were kind of the ones where I got right, where some other people in the tipping competition I'm in got wrong. So I thought they, they were kind of the tricky games because no Trebojevic. We did see Kellen Ponga play. Now, congratulations to Andrew Davey as well. Just a great success story. I believe he debuted at 28 years old. Just 
you know, slugging away. I think he spent some time at the Townsville Blackhawks in the Queensland Cup, then got signed to the Parramatta Eels, ended up getting a contract with the Seagulls. And last season, yeah, he did his ACL, I think it was. I can't remember the exact injury, but he was out for the season. He now has his first NRL try. And yeah, that was just a bit of a feel-good moment as a neutral supporter. As for the Knights, they are fading a little bit. They had such a promising start where all of a sudden I was more than happy to take my licks. I predicted them to finish in 13th place. And look, I was more than happy. I was actually excited for Knights fans. I was like, oh, awesome. Like, this will be really good if the Knights are successful. But now this solid start is beginning to unravel. They have an injury to Dominic Young. They have a few injuries, actually. They're trying to work out exactly who to bring into the side. I'm hearing maybe Edric Lee gets named for his first game in a long time. Last game he played, I'm pretty sure, was a winning game for the Queensland Maroons out on the wing. So, yeah, really interesting. They're calling up an origin player, I guess, in Edric Lee. And very interesting as far as the Knights going forward. That's kind of why I had them in 13th, because a few injuries can really hurt their side. But look, hopefully for the Knights, they can bounce back. I'll jump into their upcoming game a bit more in my preview. Now, as for the Manly Seagulls, they are starting to get back to their best. As I've said in the previews, when I went through and did each season pre uh, preview, went through every single team, I think because I was thinking so much about all the different dynamics a little bit before the season started, that's helped with my tipping. And all along, when I looked at the Seagulls draw, I said, I think they're going to lose to the Panthers, and I think they're going to lose to the Roosters. And that kind of concerned me because I was like, okay, well, if they have a bad start, but then like Foran or Cherry Evans or Trebojevic go down, things of that nature. And like, I wasn't exactly sure how Lachlan Croker or Carl Lawton were going to go long term as the number nine, or at least for this season with Finu still waiting in the wings. So a lot of question marks around Manly, but I ended up picking them in fourth. And after the Roosters and Panthers game, I actually looked at their draw and I had them going on a bit of a run. I had them bouncing back. And this Knights game that they uh, just won was one that I thought it would go down like this. But that was actually before I'd seen the Newcastle Knights and how good they've actually looked in patches this year. But overall, it was Manly getting the job done. They were just far too good. There will be the flat track bullies tag, but uh, the media just don't learn. They really don't learn. What is Des Hasler love doing? No one's... I feel, I don't know. I haven't been listening to that much content or watching like a lot of footy content at the moment. So I genuinely don't know whether they're talking about this, but I feel like people are more talking about flat track bullies than the fact that Des Hasler, who loves flying under the radar, who is the king of flying under the radar, who would absolutely love it that people don't think his team is going to stack up when it comes to finals and they are going up against teams like the Panthers and the Storm. It's Des Hasler. There is literally no one else in the NRL who loves flying under the radar more than Des Hasler. And you guys are just letting him do it. Flat track bullies. They're not going to be able to beat the best sides. Ah, just be careful. Just be careful because Des Hasler knows what he's doing. And if he can keep the side fit and get his best 17 out possible come finals time, then there's nothing to suggest. Look, everything is relative. Just because they haven't been beating the best sides doesn't mean they can't show up and do it during the finals. It really doesn't. So just don't forget that. Like, I know there are experts who've actually played in NRL finals who have different opinions on that, but everything's fucking relative. No one says that. Everything is relative. Any side realistically can show up and get the win on any given day it's possible look at leicester city when they won the premier league things like that like it's possible just you can't get too deep in the narratives like flat track bullies and the thing for the seagulls is that des hasler doesn't get himself too deep into the narrative so no doubt seagulls gonna love flying under the radar and be very careful if your side's coming up against them because you can't underestimate this side. Now, stat leaders, big shout out to Lachlan Croker. As I said, I wasn't exactly sure how he was going to go as the number nine this year, whether he could back up his great year last season. But defensively, he has been awesome to start the season. Once again, topping the tackle count, 49 tackles, 
for run meters, Ruben Garrick at fullback, 154 run meters. Two try assists for Dylan Walker. Really great game for him. He's off to the Warriors next year, which is a signing. Quite frankly, I need. I think we need, like, as a Warriors supporter, sen- I'm watching the side, I'm like, I think we need a center. Like, we've got guys developing, but I'm like, Dylan Walker is the perfect signing, especially with you uh, and Aitken heading out the door. Walker is that same kind of mold. Center, can play in the Fords as well, can play in the halves, which you and Aitken can't do. So Dylan Walker, great signing for the Warriors, and a bit of an underrated weapon for the Manly Seagulls. And if guys go down, Walker can fill a number of positions, and he can fill them very, very well also. Christian Tuipolotu had a great game, six tackle busts, has played only a couple of NRL games before this, had some time at the Roosters, and he spent his time waiting in the wings to get his chance. He's now got it at the Seagulls, and he had a great game out on that wing. So, look, the competition for spots in the back line is starting to heat up at Manly. Next up, the Seagulls will be hosting the Titans, who are in desperate need of a win. But, look, I think the Seagulls, I think they're getting on a run. This is kind of what I'm feeling. And even preseason, when I was looking at the draw, this is kind of what I saw playing out. So, going to be very hard for the Titans, but that should be... One of the fantastic games of the weekend. No doubt, as always, it'll be mentioned at some point, the Daily Cherry Evans famous backflip on the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, contract backflip. If you don't if you don't remember, then yeah, the contract backflip. Unfortunately, not a physical backflip. So you don't need to rush to YouTube to be like, holy shit, I didn't realize, you know, Daily Cherry Evans was doing some backflips and shit. Anyway, for the Knights, they will be away up against the Dragons next. Two sides very, very desperate for a win as well. So another great game. All the games are really quality. It's a competitive competition at the moment, so I'm enjoying it a lot. Having a look at something else as well. Sorry for yelling into the microphone there. I've had a lot of coffee. Anthony Milford. It seems as though the court dramas, I haven't really paid much attention to that, but it looks like it's not over or whatever. Like it, I mean, it looks like it's over and like he is going to be free to play NRL. So signed with the Dolphins for next year, but the Newcastle Knights have been the side most heavily linked towards signing Milford, and that could be a huge change for their season. Not having Milford something that's kind of hurt the Rabbitohs, because I know they were planning to use him quite heavily throughout this season. So he would be a huge pickup for the Knights. He actually is an incredible player, and I think he's going to start to get back to his best Probably at the Dolphins under Wayne Bennett. But look, I decide like the Knights as well. There's nothing to suggest that Milford couldn't be an awesome signing. And he'll probably come pretty cheap as well for what he can potentially offer. So Milford to the Knights could potentially be on the cards. Watch this space. But now let's move on to the early Friday game. The Warriors getting it done 25-24 to over the Cowboys in what was an absolutely nerve-wracking game in Redcliffe on the weekend. Now, as I said, um, eight from eight over the last two weekends, so I've been having a lot of success on the punt, thankfully. This was the last leg of a multi, which I also had some NBA in the likes in to win $760, so profit. And it was the last leg, and I was like, oh, I'm a Warriors fan. No one knows what they're like more than me, you know, or worry other Warriors fans. It, I know more than anyone the risk of leaving that last leg to the Warriors. So, fuck, it was a stressful game. Uh, I didn't have, like, heaps of my money on it. Like, I was already had profit, so it was okay. But the game itself was very, very stressful. The Cowboys honestly looked the better of the exchanges throughout pretty much the whole game. But Warriors, Sean Johnson kicking the field goal. That is three straight wins. Really happy with the halves. Sean Johnson obviously stepping up when we absolutely needed him to. And as for the other guy, Chanel Harris-DeVita. What a game in defense. Hugely impressed by the way that he implied it. Uh, sorry, need to breathe. Uh, hugely impressed by the way that he applied himself in defense. But he also kicked a crucial 40-20 throughout the game as well. So Chanel Harris-DeVita stepping up. Still not contracted for next season. I am really keen to see Luke Metcalf get a go at the club. But look, Chanel, he's developing. He was such a promising young junior. 
and it takes time for these young kids to develop. And now he's showing that he's developing. Like he was awesome in defense. He made some really clutch tackles throughout the game in a game where the North Queensland Cowboys put a lot of heat on the Warriors' defense. Like we were working throughout that entire game and Chanel Harris-Tavita really stepped up as a smaller body. He never is hesitant to put himself in front of a bigger bloke. Really happy with the way Chanel is developing his attacking, his quality as well, and he showed that with the 40-20. Another guy on the side that I'm a huge fan of, Josh Curran. So stoked to hear that he is staying with the club. He will be heading to Auckland. Uh, Just a bit of Josh Curran appreciation. I am so glad he is in this side. Game changer. Absolute game changer. Can't wait for Torhu Harris to come back as well. As I said, the Cowboys, in my opinion, were the much better side throughout this game. They only have themselves to blame because they couldn't put it all together to get the win. And they let the Warriors score enough points and get it done in the uh, golden points. So a lot of mistakes from both sides. But as far as what I was actually seeing, the whole time I was like, I think the Cowboys... I'm going to ride it out. I'm not going to cash out. But, like, I think if the game is anything to go by, like, the Cowboys are just rolling upfield the whole game. Warriors weren't really able to impose themselves that much. And they were just under so much pressure when it came to defending. But they did stand up. One of the attackers for the Cowboys who added a lot was Scott Drinkwater. I really like him in the fullback position. Had an awesome game. Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend. Look, every week they continue to prove like this actually seems like the best halves combination going forward for the Cowboys. I know at the start of the season, a lot of people had drink water in there, but Tom Dearden looks amazing. Now I think we're starting to see why he was such a highly touted junior. Whilst Chad Townsend, he's doing the natural organizing halfback role, doing a lot of the kicking. And that basically just allows Tom Dearden to run the ball a lot. And Tom Dearden, now we're seeing him run the ball. He looks fucking awesome. It's like, wow, do some more of that. He's capable of kicking and everything like that too. But Chad Townsend, that seasoned pro, that gives him a refined role at the Cowboys as well. Whereas at the Sharks, you know, he did get dropped before he left there. And then he spent some time at the Warriors. But now that he's at the Cowboys, that is his role. You are the halfback. You're the natural halfback, organizing halfback. And we want to be able to let the 5-8 in this side off the leash. So having Dearden running around and having guys like Scott Drinkwater make the Cowboys a very dangerous uh, side. But a lot of these guys are young, so it will take some time for this to really develop and turn into something that could be very special, to be honest. Now, as I was saying, Tom Dearden's running game, he just looks like a different player than the one who was cast into the Broncos' number seven jersey and six jersey at points and was, you know, supposed to be the guy who turned it all around, a lot of pressure to put on a young kid's shoulders. Then the Broncos decided they didn't want him. And yeah, just seeing his role in that side and just the way it played out, it didn't really work at all. Now that he's actually got a proper role in the side and it's kind of based around his style of play alongside Chad Townsend's, now we're seeing the best of Tom Den. So Todd Payton is an awesome coach. I was hoping he would stay at the Warriors when he was at our club, but he chose to go to the Cowboys, and I truly believe he can turn this club around. I think he's no doubt the man for the job. Shout out to Sean Johnson as well for that field goal. The Warriors are in the eight. We are in the eight, and we have stayed in the eight, and moments like that are what we need because the Warriors, for so many years, will win games here and there, But we're never getting on consistent runs. We're never winning like week to week to week and then like have a loss, but then win win a couple. It's always super patchy. So a win is a win. That is exactly what the Warriors needed to start building something because they had two very ordinary performances to start the season. But now they're really starting to click. Although, look, I still think they're going to get beaten by the top sides, just judging by the way they are playing. But the competition points are so important. I just want to see the side make finals. That is realistically my expectation on what is a success or failure for the Warriors this season. Marcelo Montoya uh, making a homophobic slur during the game. Look, I'm not about that at all. That's like not what I want to hear uh, from players who are playing for my side especially. But he's apologized for it. I'm 
I'm pretty, you know, I think we can get past it. Like, yeah, he used the language. Um, and look, a lot of the people in the NRL and such don't, don't kind of have the same views as I do. So I'm not sure a lot of people would say that word. I think it's, yeah, I thought it was pretty shit from him, but look, he, he's going to miss some time, which is, that's punishment enough. I'm sure he's learned from it. He's already apologized. So yeah, he'll, he'll be back in the frame, but he's going to miss some time. Wondering whether we see Junior Ratuva called up from the Warriors kind of reserves. But look, he's an incredible player, has a lot of potential, but actually hasn't been performing that well in reserve grades. So maybe we don't see him come in. Interested to see when the team list drops a bit later today. Now, stat leaders for this game, Josh Curran, enormously busy, 54 tackles. I'm pretty sure that was the top of the tackle count. But definitely in the top two for the entire round. So Josh Curran, I mean, he is just such a staple of this side, really becoming a cult hero. 200 run meters for Scott Drinkwater. As I said, he was electrifying in attack. And Ewan Aitken, he has really, really been going hard. I mean, he always does, but you cannot fault his effort. I know he's leaving the club, but... I'm more of the idea that even when players have announced that they're going, like a Brandon Smith to the Roosters situation, like to say that their heart's not in it or that they're not going to be trying and shit like that, it's just so not true. Like they would be close with all these boys and they would want to make a go of it. They don't want to be unsuccessful. They are the ultimate competitors. So Ewan Aitken showing exactly that he has the commitment to the Warriors season putting his best foot forward, and I'll be interested to see where he lands next season. Aitken getting eight tackle breaks throughout this game. Next up, the Warriors are going to have a huge assignment at the Sydney Cricket Ground up against the Sydney Roosters, whilst the Cowboys are going to be travelling to Canberra to face the Raiders. That is going to be North Queensland's first game outside of Queensland this season, so going to be interesting to see how they go from the humidity right to the fucking coldest place in australia might not be the coldest but gee whiz be fucking right up there so yeah that's the next game and let's not forget cowboys and raiders have already played this year they played in townsville and the cowboys destroyed the raiders unbelievable so yeah we're seeing them run it back pretty early into the season and no doubt the raiders won't have forgotten the drubbing they got at the hands of the cowboys but the cowboys won't have forgotten the success they had that night and the ways they were able to exploit what was a pretty ordinary defense of performance from Canberra that night. So that was the early Friday game. Sorry, I'm taking a bit of extra time today, aren't I? So let's quickly move on now to the Friday night game. The Brisbane Broncos taking the Roosters all the way. They just weren't able to get the job done. The competition points are important, as I was saying. So it is a significant loss for the Broncos. But again, more often than not now, they're showing that they are in games. They look like a significantly better team than the one that was taking the field in the last couple of years. And I'm really happy with the Kevin Walters, Ben Eichen kind of dynamic and what they're starting to build at the Broncos. But ultimately, in what was a danger game for the Roosters, they got it done with two late tries in the final 10 minutes to get the win 24 to 20. A lot of X-Factor players in this game. Katoni Staggs, after an extremely quiet start to the season, I was wondering whether he was underdone. Well, he looked incredible on the weekend. Back to his best. Look, he needs to string more performances like that together. But if the Brisbane Broncos want to make the final series this year, which everyone knows they do, that is the goal. Well, they're going to need more performances like that from Katoni Staggs. And less of the ones that he's opened the season with Obviously, in the centers, he doesn't have as much potential to break the game open as some of the other positions, but we're seeing strike center battles back in the NRL, and that falls into Katoni's hands very well. He is so dangerous one-on-one. -on -one. He's so fast. He has all the skills that you want from a center, and yeah, really good to see him playing like that last weekend. Payne Haas was another one for the Broncos. On the VB hard-earned index, he was like head and shoulders above everyone else. Payne Haas, the premier forward of the competition. And look, the Broncos, there are going to be things, headlines and whatnot. I try not to pay too much attention to them, but what does the future hold for Payne Haas? 
Is he going to be at the Broncos long-term? I think the best way for the Broncos to keep him at the club is to have some immediate success. So they need to start putting guys around him to ensure that they are getting consistent wins. And they are starting to do that to the Brisbane Broncos' credit. For the Roosters, their X-Factor was Joey Manu. He was outstanding. I really wish the Warriors signed him. I know I'm talking about the Warriors quite a bit, but... Joey Manu, when it looked like the Roosters couldn't get the win, all the Roosters players stepped up, but the one that really caught my eye was Joey Manu. He was just electric, and yeah, the, uh, who'd they play? The Broncos, the guys I've just been talking about for like 10 minutes. Uh, Joey Manu, yeah, they just couldn't handle him, and he was that X factor because the Broncos ended up losing, so look, Huss and Staggs had the great game, but the X factor for me is getting the team over the line, and getting that win in those really close situations. He only just missed out on my X-Factor player of the actual whole round, but for this game, my X-Factor player, Joey Manu. There were the two late tries, Joey Manu scoring one, and Satili Tupaniua scoring the other for the Roosters to only just snatch victory away from the hands of the massive underdogs in the Broncos. Corey Oates scoring a hat-trick, so... A lot of conjecture around him and the team. Was he going to keep his spot? He could be pushing for an origin spot. Like, we don't know. I don't know exactly what Queensland's depth are like. I think they'll move Holmes into the centres. They have got Xavier Coates. They probably have got guys in front of Corey Oates. But the hat-trick keeps him relevant. And there are still guys within that Broncos system that are pushing Oates for a spot, like Jordan Pereira. So Corey Oates very much needed a big performance he came out and had a great performance, scoring a hat-trick against one of the best defensive sides in the NRL in the Roosters. The Bronx badly need a win. They're building, but they need that confidence. Now they're starting to lose. It's feeling a bit closer to the Broncos of the last couple of years than the uber-successful Broncos that every rugby league fan has always known. Now, looking at the stats, Radley topping the tackle count with 45 tackles whilst Payne Haas ran for 205 metres. Up next, Roosters hosting the Warriors, and the Broncos, it does not get any easier. They are going to be taking on the defending premiers, the undefeated Panthers in Penrith. And look, this is the sign for the Broncos. Win, lose, or draw, like if they lose this, it'll make it a little bit harder for them to push for a finals run. But they've taken the Panthers to the limit at least once, maybe twice, in the last couple of seasons. I think it might have been last year or in 2020 when that ha- they had that crazy year and a really lowly rated Brisbane side pushed them to the limit. So again, the Broncos are a dangerous side, in my opinion, for a lot of these big teams. Panthers will know that though. They have not tasted defeat so far in the season. And what I'm going to be keeping my eye out as far as the Brisbane Broncos overall this season is can they make it competitive? Can they back up this Roosters performance and come out again on the back of that and build something similar? If they can get a win, that will be monumental. But if they can hang in there and make this close right up until the final minute, then I think we can say that the Brisbane Broncos truly are heading in the right direction. A few more losses. I mean, if they get pumped in this game and then things start to unravel, then all of a sudden things like Payne Huss staying at the club start to seem like a much more difficult mission. So we'll keep our eyes on that, but now I'm going to move on to the Super Saturday action, starting with the first game of the Saturday fixtures, and that was the Canberra Raiders hosting the Melbourne Storm. Is the Storm managing to continue to roll on? Only one loss so far this season. Still absolutely premiership threats. And the Raiders going down 30-16. to 16. Starting to be some concerns. They're quite a bit lower down on the ladder now. Uh, Raiders are my second team. I've said this fucking, I'll try to say it fast. Because I say it in like every podcast, for goodness sake. Uh, but my dad's from Canberra. So like, I'm from New Zealand. So I've always gone for the Warriors. But I've always grown up watching the Raiders as well. So I'm hoping they can turn things around. But yeah, they didn't in this game. Storm, way too good. Very fast start up. 18-0 after only 23 minutes. And for the Raiders, they have now lost three of their five games. A lot of things they need to work on if they want to make the eight this season. 
Storm far too clinical, just a level above, a level above, whatever that is, but a level above. And they're kind of one of the benchmark sides that that's where you gauge where you're at as a side. And the Raiders, look, they look good in patches, but the Storm, I know the Raiders had some big wins over the Storm in the last few years, but now the Storm, they seem to have the Raiders figured out and it's the opposite for the Raiders. Like they just don't seem to have the right way to break through that Storm defensive wall. Jerome Hughes was outstanding, two tries for him. The big five standing up yet again. We now see Pappenhausen, who I talked about as one of the big M chances in my last podcast. He is now equal first with Isaiah Yo on the M leaderboard. I've mentioned Josh King a few times as well. He is the perfect purchase for the Melbourne Storm. He is just showing ex- exactly why they signed him. It's like they knew something that we didn't. Like Josh King was not setting the world on fire at Newcastle. And I mean that respectfully, but he's setting the world on fire at the Melbourne Storm. So they just seem to be able to get the best out of guys like Josh King. And he seems perfectly catered to their system. Nick Meany is thriving since coming over from the Bulldogs. Xavier Coates is thriving. A lot of the guys they're bringing into the side, younger guys like Alec McDonald, Trent Loyero, they are thriving. As for the Raiders, we saw Tom Starling play the full 80 minutes. I spoke in the preview podcast about how if they were going to go with Matt Frawley for the first half an hour, I thought that was just not the right call. Tom Starling playing the full 80 minutes this game, which... I think that's the way they need to go. He's such a dangerous player. they got to figure something out. But Matt Frawley in the number nine jersey just is not that. I don't think it's the way to go. So very happy to see they've gone Tom Starling, full 80 minutes. Hudson Young, one of the Raiders players I really like. He got dropped before the game, so a late scratching. Uh, interested to know a bit more about that. We saw Ryan Sutton come into the team. See, I actually like Hudson Young as a middle forward. I know he does have some ill discipline in his game and he's a bit better suited to an edge, but from what I've seen when he's actually in the middle, he is awesome. I remember in a finals game, I think 2020, 2020 maybe? Um, Yeah, he came out and he played in the middle up against the Roosters, who were the defending two-time premiers, and he was just phenomenal. Like, he looked awesome in the middle. So going forward, I'd actually like to see them try Hudson Young a little bit more as a middle forward. Checking out the stat leaders now. Tom Starling, 43 tackles. Chance Nicole Klukstad ran for 140, uh, 184 metres. Fucking hell. Sorry, I've been dropping a lot of F-bombs. Cameron Munster, two try assists. Jerome Hughes, two tries, two line breaks. And the tackle breaks. Jerome Hughes, seven tackle breaks. Harry Grant, seven. Cameron Munster, six. So... They just gave Raiders headaches throughout the entire game. And look, they basically had the win from the get-go, from the first 23 minutes. The Raiders worked their way back into the game, but Storm basically had it sewn up very early. Checking out reserve grade and some of the guys performing for these sides in the reserve grades for the Raiders. Clay Webb played really well. Young back rower scored a double. Harry Rushton, who's a young kid they brought over from England a couple of seasons ago, had really high hopes for him. He's still developing, but looked really quality on the weekend. And so did James Schiller, the young bloke they signed from the Dragons this year, has already made his NRL debut. And look, he's pushing for some more time in first grade. I've also seen that Matt Tomoko may be out this week, so potentially we're going to see the return of Jared Croker next round. So that'll be fantastic to see. Huge fan of Jared Croker. He has given so much to the club and I want to see him go out on a high note. I don't know if this season will be his last, whether we see him go around again and what kind of his future holds, given there are so many young quality stars emerging at the Raiders. But Jared Croker, I would love to see him finish on his own terms. He has been such a legend for the Canberra Raiders. Looking at the Melbourne Storm and for their reserve grade sides, their best performer, Will Warbrick, the young rugby sevens player who's come over from New Zealand. He has been killing it in reserve grade. And in my opinion, it's only a matter of time before we see him make his NRL debut. So remember the name, Will Warbrick. Next up, the Raiders will have a short turnaround hosting the North Queensland Cowboys 
who dominated them earlier in the season, and the Melbourne Storm up against the Cronulla Sharks, the second-placed Sharks. And I'll tell you this, here's a little spoiler for the preview podcast coming out tomorrow. This is my game of the round. Melbourne Storm hosting the Cronulla Sharks. Goodness me, that's in Melbourne. I may have to suss. So I live in Melbourne. I may have to suss when that game is because i got a few things on this weekend, a few things to do. It is Easter weekend and there are some public holidays, lots, a lot of stuff going on, but far out. If I can get to that Storm Sharks game, I'm definitely going to go. That is the game of the round, but let's move on now to the second Super Saturday clash. And it was the Rabbitohs getting the win over the Dragons. Far too good on the night. I'm just going to double check the score. I don't have it in front of me. I watched patches of the game, but then I actually ended up going out, as I said earlier. But Lachlan Ilias stepping up in a big way. That was his best game in the NRL so far for the young halfback. Luttrell Mitchell out for up to eight weeks with a hamstring injury. That is a monumental loss. Uh, They've got Blake Taff who's going to step into that role, but Luttrell, like they already don't have Adam Reynolds. They need all that X factor, all that strike that they can get. And Luttrell is a, a big loss for them, especially at this stage of the season. Looks like he's going to miss Origin 1 as well. So, yeah, that's a spot up for grabs. Stephen Crichton seems like a logical option, but if Katoni Staggs can hit his straps, he'll be in the conversation. A lot of guys who will be vying for that vacant left-center position. Checking the score as well, it was the Rabbitohs 24-12 winners. So the Dragons, they're continuing to be a cause for concern. Three really average losses in a row. Heat's starting to mount on Anthony Griffin, who I actually think he's done a pretty good job with what he's doing at the Dragons, but they really do need to stand up and stand up quickly. Damien Cook was my X-Factor player, originally a Dragons player as well. If you didn't know, Damien Cook used to be at the Dragons. So 40 second, 47 tackles for him, and he was just outstanding in de- uh, attack and defense, set up the first try with a huge break. Pass to Latrell Mitchell. He was monumental, instrumental. I've just said monumental a few times. I was thinking that. Uh, he was instrumental in getting his side the win. Matthew Fearguy was a really great standout for the Dragons on the wing. Ran for 194 meters, two line breaks as well. So he's putting his name forward as someone who could be the Dragons left winger for years to come. And I just wonder what the Dragons' best 17 is. It looks like they're going to recall... Teletau, Amone, and Tyrell Sloan into the side, which works for me because they're both in my Supercoach draft side. So that's actually been a massive fuck around. But who's their best fullback? Is it Moses Empire? Is it Tyrell Sloan? Is it Cody Ramsey? Who's the best 5'8? Is it Amone? Is it Bird? Is it Embai? Is it Jaden Sullivan? So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to really start pushing for consistent success when you still don't know exactly what your best side is. Usually the sides who are right in contention at least have a fair idea of what their best side is and then who the guys are underneath that are ready to step up. And checking out the reserve grade action, which I actually like to do, especially given that when the New South Wales sides are up against each other, usually they'll play in New South Wales Cup as well, which is just a bit of an indicator of like what what's happening on with the what's happening with the depth situation. If there are COVID disruptions, injuries, suspension, origin. Who are the guys that are ready and stayed in their claim to get the call up? Because we haven't kind of had that dynamic for a couple of years. And I've always loved reserve grade. Always been a big fan of under 20s as well. Just watching the development, watching them from a lower age or younger age start to become stars. Like I always loved Toyota Cup, Holden Cup. I can't understand kind of why they haven't done it because it puts a lot of pressure on young kids. And it can be hard when you think you're right there and about to become an NRL star, but like the percentage of them that actually make it and transition isn't huge. So it it is like a mental health kind of issue, but I would love to see reserve grade return, have reserve grade, have um, under 20s and have NRL all on the same day. And when the women's competition is running, you can have that on as well. 
So it's really exciting. I would love to see that happen. And speaking of reserve grade, it was a big upset. The last place Dragons in the New South Wales Cup getting a 30-26 to 26 win over the Rabbitohs. Jack Gazeshki, who dropped down to reserve grade, was enormous, scored a double. Michael Molo, the younger brother, uh, I think he's the younger one out of him and Francis. I'm not sure exactly who's older, but he is the brother of Dragon star Francis Molo. Michael Molo coming over from the North Devils premiership winning side in the Queensland Cup last year, and he's playing really well in reserve grade. Jaden Sullivan played as well, was pretty good, helped his side get the upset win. He'll be pushing for that 5-8 spot going forward. Next up, the Rabbitohs will have the highly anticipated Good Friday clash up against what looks like a much better Bulldog side this year than what we've seen the last couple of years, and maybe not as strong of a Rabbitohs side, especially with no Latrell Mitchell. So that actually should be one of the great games of the round, always an awesome atmosphere for that Good Friday clash. And for the Dragons, they are going to be hosting the Newcastle Knights. Very intriguing one there. For the loser, they start to really need to make up a lot of ground to make a push for a strong finals campaign. Whilst the winner, that's the momentum they need. That Every competition point is so vital. It is going to come down to a point in, later in the season where there is a logjam, I believe, between some of the sides that aren't as consistent compared to the ones in the top five or six that are really consistent. So there is going to be a battle for spots in the finals. Every competition point matters. So Dragons versus Knights, that is going to be a very important one for both sides when it comes to their 2022 season. But let's move on now to the Gold Coast, the Saturday night game, where the Eels got up 26-20. to 20. Very interesting, Eels going 20-0 up earlier in the game, and they looked like they were going to thrash the Titans. Titans ended up coming back. They didn't get the win in the end, but just like round one, impressive attack, but also concerns around defense and how many points these sides leak when they play each other. Because, yeah, then all of a sudden, if you can't score the points, but you're leaking points, that's when things don't go your way. So not great signs for either club. Good comeback from the Titans, but they didn't get the win. And for the Eels, great start, but they didn't go on with it. They're still finding their groove, Parramatta, but they are clicking into gear, especially the halves. And in my season preview for them, one thing I did say was, like, if I can envision one side outside of, like, you know, the Storm, Panthers, Roosters, obvious ones, if I can envision one side lifting the Premiership this year, it's actually the Eels. But when it came to picking the Premier, like, I'm not going to choose the Eels because over years, there's always, they're hard to trust. They are hard to trust. And I was like, I'm not going to go out on a limb for my first ever Premiership prediction and go with the Eels because I just don't trust them. But if I can see, I can, like, I can envision them winning the Premiership. So they are really starting to click into gear. They have had the winger curse, no Micah Sivo, no Hayes Dunster. Now Wonga Blake has done his MCL. Sean Russell out indefinitely as well. So they're going to have to find someone. Luckily, they have got guys in reserve grade who are knocking on the door, Sam Loizu. And I think they'll go with Solomon Naiduki. Hayes Perham is another option, but I think we may see on the team sheet later today Solomon Naiduki named for his NRL debut, which, look, the Eels have guys to cover it, and it is impressive to see that they are getting hammered in one position, and they have the depth to cover it. So early signs are actually good for the Eels in that regard, and they have a spine worthy of a premiership, in my opinion. Marnie, Gutherson, Moses, and Brown, they've all spent quite a bit of time together now. Obviously, Reed is leaving the club at the end of the season, but as a spine, they have such a great understanding of each other's games. They've also played plenty of footy with a lot of the team around them, so they're gelling nicely, and I think that spine is definitely capable of winning a premiership. It is a long season, though. We've seen the Eels fade out. That has been their biggest criticism in recent seasons, so that's going to be one of the tests over the full course of the season to see how they adjust and adapt to everything that goes on around them. For the Gold Coast Titans, they have some work to do on their defense, as do both sides, but now Titans dropping both games to the Eels, they have been leaky in defense, and then when they defended well, it was against the Tigers. 
and that was a drudger of a game. So, look, I still have faith in the Titans. I picked them to finish eighth this year. So I think they are going to make a run, but they do need to kind of get a win, get a couple of wins back-to-back realistically pretty quickly. Otherwise, they're going to have a lot of ground to make up. Looking at the stat leaders, King Gutho scoring a double. Greg Marziu, seven tackle breaks. Regan Campbell-Gillard, the best forward of the weekend alongside Payne Haas, running for 241 run meters, led from the front the entire game. And RCG could still definitely be in the mix for a spot when it comes to origin. There are going to be a lot of middle forwards competing for the one or two starting positions and then a couple of bench spots. But Regan Campbell-Gillard, he's definitely putting his name in the mix. Mitchell Moses, incredible, three try assists, was very, very busy. And yeah, he was just doing everything that you want from a halfback. For the Titans, Aaron Clark leading the tackle count with 40 tackles. And going over to reserve grade, JJ Fafita or Sosefo Fafita. He's one that's really an exciting young talent to watch at the Titans. Still yet to make his NRL debut. I believe he's the cousin of David Fafita but scored two tries in the weekend up against the Burley Bears. He was playing for Tweed Heads. And look, those are the two Gold Coast Titans feeder sides in the Queensland Cup. So that is the best point of reference of who's putting their best foot forward to make this tide, or this side, not this tide. And JJ Fafita, he is definitely in the mix. Scored two tries, looked really good up against Burley. So a debut is only a matter of time away for JJ Fafita. Next up, the Titans will be traveling to the Manly Seagulls home ground. That is going to be a very tough game. Seagulls definitely going to be testing out their defense, but it doesn't look like Tom Trebojevic will be playing. Maybe Karen Foran doesn't play, so this could be a danger game for the Seagulls, but Titans really need to stand up. And for the Eels, well, they'll be pretty happy. They've got the Tigers on the weekend, the 0-5 Tigers. Oh, dear. And speaking of the Tigers... Uh, sorry, I'll try and make it a bit more update. It's always a bit of like an, uh, and it's not because I dislike the Tigers. I actually would love to see the Tigers do well. There's no side in the NRL that I have like a genuine hate for that I'm actually like want to see them have a shit season and come last, but someone has to, and the Tigers are, and they're doing it well when it comes to coming last. The five captain scenario just a total mess. As for the Cronulla Sharks, totally the opposite. They are on a very, very upward trajectory, skyrocketing into one of the powerhouses potentially for years to come. Sharks getting the win 30-4 to in front of their home fans over the Tigers. Dane Laurie with COVID was a late omission. James Roberts out as well. So we saw Stafford Toa come into the fullback position and Luke Garner into the centres. That kind of just tells you everything you need to know about the Tigers when they're playing second rowers in the centers. They re- they have guys in reserve grade, even though their resis are getting smashed. I feel like Junior Power uh, Pauga, I'm not exactly sure how to say it, former Warriors Junior, I feel like he could do a better job. Junior Tupo, a young kid from Rugby Union, he's supposed to be good. Luke Garner, look, he's a great player, and he has played wing before when he was at the Roosters, coming through in their system, but... He's a back rower now. Don't be putting him in the centers. 79th minute, Ken Malmalo crossed for a try. So up until the 79th minute, it was 30-0. So yeah, West Tigers. I mean, the Sharks' right side just decimated the Tigers' left side. And Cronulla now, you could say they are legit contenders. I am seriously impressed with what I've seen from them sitting second on the ladder. And they're not going to be affected by origin. Maybe one or two could get called up, but other than that, pretty much they're going to be sweet and they're going to be fielding their best 17 when it comes to the origin period. So like guys like Matty Johns and a few others did say that the Sharks could be Smokies for a top four spot. And I think they're right. I actually put them in ninth because I had nine teams to put into my top eight and I had to take one out and I took the Sharks out and I fucking feel silly for it because I was actually very high on them like I love Craig Fitzgibbon as a coach I like a lot of their players and Craig Fitzgibbon was the guy I wanted as the Warriors coach when we needed a coach and Todd Payton was leaving so 
everything pointed towards them being great. I just thought it was going to take a bit of time and it has taken no time at all. They have just eased into the season looking awesome. Their one loss against the Raiders was in the final minute. So, ah, man, the Cronulla Sharks, very, very good times for their supporters. Very, very grim times for the West Tiger supporters. But I think this is going to be the season where they bottom out. I do think from next season onwards with some of their signings, they're going to be a lot better as far as their team goes. This season's about working out what kind of structure. How do you structure your team? Who stays and who goes? Now, speaking about origin, as I was before, Steve Fittler has recently come out and talking about a couple of bolters for origin, Blake Braley. So Damian Cook, obviously the incumbent, Upi Corusau, another contender. There are a few guys, but... If there are injuries and things like that, like if Damian Cook isn't fit, Blake Braley, watch this space, could very well be playing Origin this season. Long term, he could be the option. Maybe they're looking at him because Damian Cook, he's a little bit older, closer to the end of his career, although he's still got some very good years left to give. But maybe Freddie's starting to size up Blake Braley as the longer term option. If the Sharks can continue to sustainably be a top four side, then, yeah, Blake Braley, we could be about to see a real level up from a kid who had a lot of potential, a representative junior. He's really putting that into practice when it comes to transitioning into the NRL. He's been doing it for a few years now, and he looks ready to level up to the representative arena. So Blake Braley, really good signs from him. As far as the stat leaders for this game, Jacob Little, 36 tackles. Ronaldo Mulitalo ran for uh, 176 metres. Numbers getting me, aren't they, today? Sione Katoa scoring two tries, seven tackle busts, and Jesse Ramian, two try assists and eight tackle busts. For the reserve grade side, the Jets, who are the Sharks' feeder side, beat the Tigers' feeder side, the Magpies, 40-10. Addison Demetrio killed it in the centres. He's not a Sharks-contracted player, but... I remember him from the Toyota Cup days, Holden Cup days. He played for the Seagulls. He was dope. He hasn't really been able to step up to that NRL level, but I remember the name Addison Demetrio, so good to see that he's going really well in the New South Wales Cup. Kyle Iroh, he was playing really well. Could be an option to come into the back line. He is a Sharks contracted player. And Braden Trindle... Bra- oh, wow, I fucking butchered that. Braden Trindle. He was dropped from the bench just because he wasn't playing a lot of minutes in the NRL, played halfback for the New South Wales Cup side, and had a great game, played the full game, three try assists, scored a try for himself as well, and the Sharks are pretty well propped up when it comes to halves options. Matt Moylan, Braden Trindle, Luke Metcalf, Lachlan Miller, and of course, the marquee man, Nico Hines. Next up, the Melbourne Storm and the Sharks, my game of the round, whilst the Tigers are going to be taking on the Eels. What happens if they go 0-6? Far out. I don't even want to know. Let's, let's move on to a lighter note, shall we? The final Sunday game. I was out for the UFC, as I mentioned, so I actually didn't see the Sharks and Tigers games. If Puyde Yan had won against Aljamain Sterling in the UFC, which Dana White said he felt that he did, I'm happy to say it was close enough that, like, Aljamain Sterling, a deserved winner. But Pyotr Jan was one of the last legs. Every other leg won, including the Sharks against the Tigers, including this next NRL game. This would have been, I would have definitely watched, it would have been the last leg to win 14 grand. Unfortunately, just not, not my day that day. I mean, it still was my day. I still made a, quite a bit of money. But, yeah, that one, it burns. Burns to remember on that result but this would have been the last leg so I would have been going off but I actually didn't end up checking out the game I was quite a few beers deep watched the whole UFC of course but Penrith Panthers unstoppable 32 to 12 over the Bulldogs who are navigating a very tough draw to start their season as I mentioned a bit earlier in the podcast Taylor May and Isaac Tago two of the best rising stars in the competition Coming into the best side in the competition, it is just going swimmingly for the defending premiers at the moment. And another great point for them, undefeated. They can afford to rest players during Origin. 
or during that period, because we know guys like Cleary, Luai, I mean, a host of them are going to be playing Origin, no doubt. We saw that the New Zealand Kiwis are going to be playing Tonga in New Zealand as well. So guys like James Fisher-Harris, no doubt going to be called up for the national side. There are going to be periods throughout the season where they need to give these players a rest. And now with the position on the ladder, the Penrith Panthers can afford to give their guys a rest and they're going to stay pretty strong. So Panthers looking unreal. I did mention as well the left centre New South Wales blue spot up for grabs with the Luttrell injury. Stephen Crichton, no doubt the front runner in my opinion. I think he's the one to get that jersey. But Freddie Fittler, I actually just read something in between recordings, so I thought I'd include this. He has named three candidates. Stephen Crichton, Matt Burton, who played unreal at left centre for the Panthers last year, winning the Premiership, and Bradman Best, who he'll be relying on the Knights to keep getting some wins. So that will help him with his form to push for an Origin debut. Looking at the stat leaders in this Panthers game up against the Bulldogs, Dylan Edwards ran for 220 metres. He is absolutely killing it at the moment. Dylan Edwards could be in career-best form right now, which is scary to think about. 56 tackles for Josh Jackson. Taylor May with seven tackle breaks. He is killing it as well. So a lot of pressure on Charlie Staines to keep his spot once Brian Toto returns. Next up, the Panthers will be hosting the Broncos. And Souths will be facing the Dogs, or the Dogs will be facing Souths, rather. That's the Good Friday clash. So now I'm going to give out my three kind of end-of-episode notes for X-Factor Player, Cause for Concern, and Rising Star nomination. But first of all, I'm going to check the ladder. First, the Panthers. Second, Sharks. Third, Storm. And fourth, Eels. So making up the top four. Some pretty quality sides right there. Sydney Roosters in 5th place, Seagulls starting to find some form in 6th, the Mighty Warriors in 7th position, love that, North Queensland Cowboys dropping down to 8th, the Rabbitohs win on the weekend meant that they jumped up to ninth spot, with the Titans, Knights and Broncos just below them in 10th, 11th and 12th, Raiders in 13th, they really need to lift, that is not where they should be sitting on the ladder, Dragons, last week's cause for concern, not doing a whole lot more to convince me otherwise. They sit in 14th, the Bulldogs in 15th, and for my season previews earlier this year, ahead of the season starting, who were my wooden spoon picks? The West Tigers, they are currently doing very well for me. I am stoked, not for the Tigers fans, sorry for you guys, uh, but it helps with the credibility. I said they were going to come last, and... They are coming last to the maximum. So hopefully the Tigers can turn it around. But now I'm going to jump in to the little end of episode wrap up. Let's start with the cause for concern, shall we? Get this one out of the way. It's the West Tigers. They are 0-5. Madge is in serious trouble. I know the club are going to stick by him. He's a proven coach. He's a premiership coach. I don't know if it's a Madge thing. It could be a Tigers thing. Could be a bit of both. Luke Brooks, things have just not worked. It's time for him to go somewhere else. He can do it. He's capable of doing it. Let's see him at another club. Let's just... I think it's time as far as that goes. The club has no centre depth. If they do, they're not utilising it. James Roberts dropping out late again. Luke Garner stepping into the centres. A couple of guys injured. Look, the way they're going is really poor at the moment, but Jackson Hastings, when he comes back, he will be a huge inclusion. They've got Api Korosau coming next year and Isaiah Papali'i. So look, I think they're going to bottom out this season, but that doesn't excuse the 0-5 start. Eels up next. Things could go from bad to worse. 0-6, it's starting to get very ugly. Can Michael Maguire turn this side around? Can anybody turn this side around honestly ah even Ivan Cleary he was the most recent coach before match even he couldn't get them to the eight so look maybe someone like a Shane Flanagan but at this point I don't know I really really don't know I was waiting for the Tigers to fire up and respond after every single loss they have had it has still not happened the Titans game was the closest game to it And that was one of the shittest games I've ever watched, with the greatest respect. Like, respect to them for putting their bodies on the line, but the Tigers in that one just dragged the Titans down to their level. 
and made it a very ugly game. But other than that, like the Tigers haven't fired up. And if they are fired up, they're not performing. So it's something, something has to change. It's at the point now, something has to change. They still haven't fired up. They still haven't responded. Shit is about to hit the fan if they go 0-6 to the Eels. I think they need to blow it up, start it again without even being too dramatic. They've got a great junior base. They have got some senior players and NRL players in this squad definitely to keep around, but the squad as a whole just is not cutting the mustard, not even close to it. So they they need to figure something out because what they are doing is not working. And it's not just not working. It is, at the moment, a catastrophic failure. And if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that I'm not too overdramatic. I don't like to make calls like these, but they are, yeah, it's not good. It's actually really, really bad when you consider where they've been at for over 10 years now. It's been a lot of mediocrity. Something's got to change. I don't know what it is. I actually, I don't know. I watched Welcome to Tiger Town, but I can't pinpoint the exact things that need to change. But pardon me, again, another burp. Burp of just concern for this side. I really don't know where they go from here. Hastings and Dewey, once Dewey's back, he'll be a great addition. Like, I think they'll go a lot better, but the season's already gone. It's slipped away from them, and it looks like it is only going to get uglier. So West Tigers, my cause for concern, as they've been every single week except last, where I picked the Dragons. And I only picked the Dragons because I'm trying not to put the Tigers in here every week. I uh, no one from no Tigers fans, I don't think, listen to this podcast because I just have to keep talking shit about their team. But like, you guys, I'm sure can understand at this point. I don't want to be saying this shit, but that's where it's at. Things are really grim at the moment. Massive cause for concern. The West Tigers. Let's jump on now to my rising star nomination. I've gone with Lachlan Ilias. He really stepped up, got it done. Look, he defensively missed a few tackles, but he did have a try assist, two tackle breaks, and he handled all the kicking duties. So he played like that natural halfback. That frees Cody Walker up to play his natural game. So big improvement from Lachlan Ilias. I have really high hopes for him. I think he is the man for the job. It's just going to take some time. So my rising star nomination, Lachlan Ilias. He joins the likes of Tago, May, Dominic Young and Jeremiah Nanai so far as my nominations for the Rising Star, which once the end of the regular season is over, I'll reveal my overall Rising Star for the season. So Lachlan Ilias is my Round 5 nomination. As for my X-Factor player, extremely close for the X-Factor player of the round, I've decided to go with Mitch Moses. Eels really clicking into gear. As I said, I can envision them winning a premiership, their whole team's going really well, but the halves in particular are really starting to gel. They look like a cohesive unit. And Mitch Moses with three try assists on the weekend, he was just instrumental in getting another very big win for the Eels. So I have taken Mitch Moses as my X-Factor player of the round. Could have been any mix of guys. Any mix of guys. So there were plenty of guys putting their hand up for the uh, nomination, but I have taken Mitchell Moses from the Parramatta Eels. If Nathan Cleary gets injured before Origin, well, we saw Mitch Moses play for the New South Wales Blues, albeit in a losing side where he was playing injured. But look, it's a big if, but if Cleary hurts his shoulder or he's not available for Origin, then Mitch Moses definitely the next man up in my opinion so he is the x-factor player of the round that is it for nrl power and to apologize it's gone a little bit longer today but i've covered everything i want to cover so today jj is coming over we are going to jump into the nrl weekly preview for round six two consecutive perfect weeks i said it on the preview podcast last week i said my goal this week and it's going to be hard but i am going for back to back perfect week so now this week i'm going to be setting out for the three pete it, it'll be incredible i will be stoked if i get it let's see what i come up with i'll sit down with jj later on today and we will discuss our predictions i'll be posting that one tomorrow and if you're into the afl make sure to follow us on instagram at not just a sports report tonight i will be posting another edition of hot tips been having plenty of spicy food, got some really interesting stuff 
on the way for future editions as well. So far, I had stuff like Blair's uh, Death Sauce. We've had the world's hottest corn chips. What else do we had? We had uh, Bell's Hot Chicken, the extra fucking hot edition. But that was so far the least hot, but most delicious. So I've got one one coming up tonight. And then I've actually got a big delivery of some stuff for about the next 10 weeks of hot tips. So it's going to get really good. The best way to follow everything Not Just The Sports Report is on our Instagram over at Not Just The Sports Report. And don't forget to follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Going to be getting back into the groove now, looking at moving house as well in the next couple of weeks to really optimize the setup. So I'm going to be pumping out plenty of podcasts, more content than ever. So a lot to look forward to. 16 from 16 in the past two weeks. So do not forget to tune in to the NRL preview. Hopefully I can get that three-peat. It seems like a very tough ask, but look, I am feeling ultimately confident. I am in career best form, not just in the NRL, but in a lot of other things as well. So let's see if we can keep it rolling. But until the NRL preview, that is all for NRL Power. Until next time, take care.